Super Talk Mississippi media production. Pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty with you this afternoon, along with Kelly Sander, Luke Johnson, and Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Thursday edition of the Eagle Hour, opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of this show and Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their fall off the bone ribs, hickory smoked brisket, and other great items that they cook in-house every day. And, of course, want to remind you each and every day that Dickey's uh, is a great catering service. They'll cater any event you have, large or small. Uh, you could just sit back, relax, and let Dickies do the cooking. Got a packed show today. Patrick McGee's going to be on the show a little later. It's Thursday. We're going to continue our NFL preview, venturing into the NFC East a little later in the show. But I want to get right to our. I want to get right to it today because we have a, a guest in our studio. Uh, Boy, this is all news to me today. Uh, you know, I've... Uh, I can't believe you did not know about no, our first I guest. I did not, Bob. and I'm glad that she's here. Sheila Sims-Williams is, statistics say, the best volleyball player ever ever been here. I no, mean, she holds no, all the records. Numbers don't lie. Solo blocks, uh, career 258, total season blocks 292, career total blocks 589, solo blocks in one season 115. Some of the records... Miss Williams, that you own, you are quite the volleyball player. That's what they tell me. <laughs> oh, and you you would think that those numbers are perfect and that there's nothing wrong with this woman, except then she married Mitchell Williams. So well, what, I, I was trying not to spoil the interview to that degree. Uh, yeah, no, nobody's perfect. So I guess the question would be, Miss Williams. Uh, you know, you were a big-time athlete at Southern Miss. I'm sure you were very popular. I'm sure you had a lot of choices in your life. <laughs> what happened? Well, what what how, did how, you how see did, in him? How did Mitchell end up in this picture? It, it had to be fate. We, we literally <laughs> ran into each other. Uh-huh. And then the rest is history. We oh, <laughs> well, if you ran into each other, it must have been tequila. Right. <laughs> no, he was a, he was a trackster. Right. Was a volleyball player. You were a volleyball player. Mitchell was a track star. Yes. So you're both in the M Club Hall of Fame. Yes. This is the first couple we've ever had. It's a, this is a power couple this here. This is a power couple. So when did because he went to North Forest High School just outside of Hattiesburg? You're a Biloxi Indian, Sheila. So where? Yes. Tell us about how you guys did meet. Um. Well, I did uh, come up from Biloxi. We happened to be on campus one weekend when everybody was gone to a big football game out of town, and there was nothing to do. So um, one of my friends knew Mitchell and his roommate, and we decided to go out dancing, and we met. I fell in love with his shoes first. I love mm, his shoes. Mm. <laughs> and Not um, the ones he has on now. Because <laughs> no. he doesn't have any on. He doesn't have any shoes now. That's well, the story by itself, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. How we no, we um, became fast friends and soon afterwards started dating. 
You know, Kelly and I have known Mitchell a long time, and he reminds us every time we see him of his celebrity. Does he remind you all the time that he's a celebrity? I do, really? (laughs) 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 You said earlier, actions speak louder than words. Right, um, right. No, he doesn't. He's very humble. Well, of course, you know we're kidding. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Let's talk about you for a minute, your volleyball career. Yeah. You were a big star in volleyball at a time that that women's volleyball was really not on the platform it's on today. So when you look at the sport today, you must think, my heavens, this has really evolved. It really has. Um, when I played in high school, I actually didn't start playing until my junior year of high school and um, learned the game really fast, Um, was offered a scholarship my senior year. We went undefeated. And then when I came to USM, it was a big shock, kind of a culture shock, because the level of play was not um, where it is today. And it it was a rebuilding time, definitely. So it took some getting used to, and um, I grew a lot, learned a lot, um, and actually had an opportunity a couple of years ago to help coach some girls mm-hmm. here in um, in town volleyball. Mm-hmm. So when you look now at this new facility that's being built and you look at volleyball on a national level, must make you feel pretty good. It does. It really blows my mind. It makes me miss volleyball. So right. the fact that you didn't play till you were a junior in high school, Sheila, what was it that made you decide to give it a shot? Um, one of my coaches, I was a trackster uh, in high school. And my mom wanted me to play tennis. She thought I'd be a great tennis player. And one of my coaches mentioned volleyball, and um, and I tried out for basketball. Well, basketball didn't fare very well with me. And I tried volleyball, fell in love with it, and it came so natural. And so, um, like I said, I started playing my junior year and started for the team my senior year. But the, but the fact that Southern Miss, a Division I school, came calling after only two years playing in the game of volleyball, was there ever a tipping point that you thought to yourself, gosh, you know what? I think I'm pretty good at this. You wouldn't say that publicly, but I'm just saying you'd think it. You know? No, I actually didn't think about that. I, my plans were to go to college on a track scholarship because I was pretty good in track. Never thought that volleyball would be the game that would propel me. Um, and help pay for my college tuition, but it did. And then look at all the records. Every record. It's like Santa's you know. scroll, Santa Claus's <laughs> list over here. All the, is your picture hanging in the new facility? I mean, it should be. Um, I have no idea. And you know, the funny thing is, is I had no idea about the records until several years after I had graduated. Really? Right? Mitchell was the one that really? told me about the records. Really? He, yes. It I was, had no idea. Was, uh, you know how they have the preseason guy, the, like the preseason guy. That's where I saw it. And then with Sheila Sims, Sheila Sims, Sheila Sims. I know that name, I'm right? Like, That's <laughs> really. So I went back and I saw Sonia Varnell, who was the senior women's administrator. And I said, "Is this right?" She said, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Wow." Mitchell, have you ever heard the expression "out kicked his coverage"? <laughs> Uh, I've probably heard it uh, a whole lot more than I, I uh, than most men. <laughs> well, well, look, Mitch, and I, and I have to ask you. I have to ask you too. You know, when when your then girlfriend reached the level that she reached as far as competitive prowess, right. when she was very very good, and you 
when you were on top of your game, were flashing mediocrity. Yes, you know? that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. How did you handle it from an ego well, standpoint? I, look, that it, your girlfriend was a better athlete than you were. It was the best ride ever. I mean, look, we had when I was in school. Uh, our and you ran for Marshall Bell, right? And we had our uh, job was to keep uh, Southern Miss D one A. We ran cross country, indoor, and outdoor. There were three separate sports. And then that's the same thing with volleyball. Volleyball was created so that we would have a number of sports to keep us D1A. So nobody came to the volleyball games. But the tracksters did. Uh, my roommate, David Schecksner, and we were obnoxious and belligerent. I mean, we talked about officials and stuff. Nobody was there. And for our track team, we didn't have a track. We ran the Hattiesburg Heights track. So to keep the university to a point where it wasn't D1AA, uh, Sheila Sims was a part of a, of a sport that kept that going. And, and in fact, your first child, Marshall, was named after Marshall after Bell, Coach yes? After Bell. And she actually told Coach Bell before I had to, before I did, his name, who, what his name's going to be. I don't know what that conversation was like. <laughs> uh, let me repeat it again. Holds the school record for most blocks in a season, 115. Most solo blocks in a career, 258. Most total blocks in a season, 292. And the record for career total blocks, 589. What is especially remarkable about that, Bob, is you just talked about how the sport has evolved. Right. And just about every sport. Players are better today than they were 20 years ago. And she ago. still holds them. And she still holds them. Yeah, that's that's the true test of time. Well, it's pretty humbling. And I tell you, the blessing in it is that I didn't know this while I was playing. I didn't know that I held this or I did that. And I think that that's great that I didn't know then. Um, I don't know if it would have helped me or hindered me, but I'm glad I didn't know until after. I had played. Well, we're glad we found out, and we're very glad that you came here today, and we really do appreciate that. And I'm only going to say this one time, and I'm probably going to regret saying this, but I do truly love your husband. He's been a friend of mine for a long time, and he's one of the finest people that I've ever known. Well, thank you. He speaks very well of you. And uh, we are glad to have you here, and thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Sheila Sims Williams. See, now that all the re- it's known that she has all the records, the name Sims will be put back into the name. Right. You know. A record holder <laughs> and our first official power couple. Two, a couple, both in the Southern Miss Jay-Z Hall and Beyonce have nothing on these two. No, we'll never invite them back again. Well, I take Beyonce that back. Beyonce don't have nothing. <laughs> Let me take that back. They got about $80 million or something you don't have. Yeah, yeah. we ain't got the chance. All right. Yeah. Sheila Sims-Williams on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Sheila Sims-Williams for joining us and, of course, Mitchell for coming along as well. A great interview, great, great woman, and a delightful, delightful lady. First time I've ever met her after all these years. And one heck of an athlete, too. And, well, and not, no like she said, she didn't even realize that all those records Looks like she, she can set. still play. A little bit. Yeah. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel, of course. Football stuff coming in daily. Great specials on summer and spring merchandise. You can check them out on Hardy Street or go to campusbookmark.net. All right, it's Thursday. Let's go down to the Gulf Coast. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Patrick, we know you've got all your eyes right now, both of them actually, focused on Southern Miss football. What can you tell us coming out of fall football camp at this point? Uh, well, early on, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I was there for the first practice. I've been able to be up there for the last few, but uh, just the you know what you're looking at here is that hoping they can add depth on defense. Those two transfers with uh, Torrance Brown and Terry Whittington, uh, they're going to be working kind of at the uh, uh, the high that hybrid linebacker defensive end position behind Jacquez Turner. I could see those guys maybe working up closer defensive, you know, maybe at the defensive end role at some point as well. Uh, I guess really the impression you come away with is this is probably the deepest team that uh, Jay Hobson has had since he's been at Southern Miss. Hmm. It's really, uh, the, there's not really one spot where you say, well, if this guy gets hurt, they're in bad shape. Maybe you could say that at center with Trace Clopton, uh, but you could also shuffle in a, an Arvin Fletcher in there at center or something like that. Uh, Louis Paul Smith, I think, maybe number two on the depth chart, a freshman behind Clopton at center. But everywhere else, you're pretty much thinking, uh, well, you know, they've, they've got a second option pretty much everywhere on the field. Luke, that's important, is it not? Absolutely. We, we've uh, the, the depth, as we've seen over the years when uh, particular guys get hurt, uh, man, it just it can fall apart. Patrick, your, your article this week uh, lists the five most important Golden Eagles going into the season. Interesting quarterback not in the top five. Yeah, and the main reason I left out Quez Watkins and Jack Abraham mainly because, you know, I, you know, both of those guys are super important to the team this season. But I believe that Southern Miss can win with Tate Whiteley at quarterback, and I think they've got some other guys at receiver who can kind of step into that go-to role. I see some guys really kind of stepping up and having uh, career career years this season. I think Tim Jones is only going to get that much better with each season. So I think Quez Watkin is absolutely important, but he can't be the the only guy, and I don't think he'll be the only guy as far as a go-to of the receiver position. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th- those two guys are super important, but uh, the five guys I put on the list are, are guys that they really need to step up and perform this season, and, and you know, there just isn't much depth behind those guys. Turner at uh, number five, uh, Latham uh, at number four, Klopt in the center at three, uh, Mosley number two, and Dorback number one. I, I, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement. Klopton, uh is could be can be really really good. Uh, he's put on a, some weight, but Dorback's that guy. You moved him to right tackle, and now he's back at his old blind spot blindside position. Um, Mosley, uh, there's shades of Ito Smith in that body. You right. don't want to compare him immediately, but he has. Are, are we looking at like a bell cow year? Or are they going to rotate them pretty good? Well, I think if Mosley, you know, makes strides this season i think he's going to be your number one guy uh steven anderson still you know relatively new to the position i think we saw promise in him uh but he's maybe not an every down guy i think mosley is a guy that could be in there uh one through three and then you have uh you know darius mayberry who's battled injuries at times throughout his career then you have the juco transfer perkins uh maybe working behind him so yeah i mean to me mosley's the guy that brings it all together 
Uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's decent in pass protection. And uh, Ito Smith is, you know, relatively fair, you know, a comparison. I mean, it's, it's kind of surprising when you look at Mosley's numbers. He averaged five yards a carry last year. Uh, this better when Ito did as a freshman, uh, considering the struggles of the offensive line. And I think that number was slightly inflated, maybe by that UTEP game at the end of the season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Mosley overall was really impressive uh, when given chances. I know he had his own injury. Uh, they're kind of in the latter stages of the season. So I think Mosley, if he stays healthy, and and I think everybody's gotten in better shape in the, in the, over the, in the off season. I think Mosley's a guy that really needs to. If Southern Miss is going to conference title, Mosley's going to have to run for. You know, at least 800, 900 yards. Patrick, you mentioned it is early on in practice, obviously, just first couple of days of practice. But And the struggles of the offensive line last year, which was much maligned, was certainly well well publicized. Mm-hmm. A lot of bubble screens, you know, that, that kind of got the fan base upset that the, that the offense right. wasn't what it was. Still early on, but how would you describe the offense at this point from, from what you've seen? Well, I, you know, just early on, I think what they have on the offensive line is a good combination, I think. Uh, you've got, you know, Coker Wright working out in a lot there at left guard. Uh, he, he was impressive in the spring, but he's still a true freshman. Uh, door back back at left tackle, Popton in center, Arvin Fletcher at left guard. And then you have Kalik Washington there at left tackle. I really like that starting five. Uh, I, I, you know, honestly, I don't see it changing a whole lot. I think Washington really kind of solidified himself at right tackle in the spring. Uh, you know, but overall, I think, you know, a lot of things I talked about is they've got good options at receiver. It's it's not more than just Quez Watkins. Uh, it's going to be just about the develop of the ground of the ground game as the fall camp develops. So I think you ha- you just have to be encouraged that there's a decent core there at offensive line, something to build on. But you know, regardless of depth, you guys, we all know how much injuries right. have to do with it. So everybody, regardless of your depth, got your fingers crossed that nobody goes down to injury. You know, prior to the season, particularly with that rugged uh, schedule that they have the first four. Speaking of that, Patrick, let me ask you something. I've asked Luke and, and Kelly both uh, earlier this week. Try, try to put into perspective for our listeners how big a difference will there be in uh, competition from week one to week two for the Southern Miss Eagles? Oh well, I mean, it's going to be a, a huge difference. Obviously, I mean, Alcorn State is not one to be taken lightly. Uh, they're still a good football team. Jay Hobson's moved on, but Alcorn's continued to be a good uh, swag football team, and they've got good talent. And they've got a lot of players coming back offensively from last year's team. So Southern Miss is going to show up and play. Uh, but on the Mississippi State, I mean, that's going to be a, a, a tough road trip. It's going to be one they're going to you know look forward to. You know, the, all these uh, kids at Southern Miss look forward to playing in Mississippi State or in Alabama. So. Uh, Southern Miss is going to be up for that one. How much Mississippi State will be up for it, we'll, we'll wait and see. State's got a lot of questions to answer at quarterback and other positions. So uh, the, what Southern Miss has to hope for is they kind of find a state team in transition on offense and, and they can take advantage. So, But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a big leap in the week, too. Is this going to be a long-term thing we see these two schools playing or, or not? No, I mean, it's I, I forget which year. It's going to be several years uh, uh, before they play State again. They go back to Starkville, and then Southern Miss comes to, to Hattiesburg. So uh, this this year's game was kind of one of those payday games where they were thinking, you know, well, we're going to have to do a payday game anyway. May You know, it, it State's in agreement that they can, uh, you know, meet the demands on the dollar side. So why not just go ahead and play Mississippi State when, you know, all Southern Miss fans want to see it anyway. The home and home starts here in like three years. So, uh, no, I, I don't think we'll see it that consistently. But 
uh, we'll maybe see it th- maybe two to three times, you know, in the course of a decade, maybe yeah, moving yeah. forward. I saw their, their 20 schedule yesterday, Mississippi State. They're playing uh, New Mexico, Tulane, yeah. North Carolina State. They're playing all these out-of-state schools again. So really, they're, 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 there's no increased interest from, from either State or Ole Miss in making this an annual rivalry again. Am I correct? No. Well, I mean, it's, it, credit given the State, they're willing to right. play Southern Miss. Ole Miss right. has, no, has no interest, obviously. And uh, if you look at what uh, you know, uh, Ole Miss is going to be playing Tulane, a lot of these other schools. Uh, you know they like playing Tulane because their fans like going to New Orleans. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's a tough situation for Southern Miss, but uh, you, I just don't see them playing Ole Miss anytime real soon. Well, you know when you're when you're the cream of the crop of the SEC, like clearly Ole Miss is right. in football. You, you, <laughs> Not to mention the thrill of, of wearing your penny loafers and uh, khakis and navy blue sport coats down Bourbon Street. I mean, you know, you got to can understand that. But I mean, it, you, when you just look at that, I mean. <laughs> Of course, we've talked about the financial implications hey. of all that. Right. You know, but. right. <laughs> hey, uh-huh. Ole Miss is playing Mercer in 2023, Furman in 2024, and the Citadel in 2025. Austin P in 2021. So just uh, Patrick, Southeast we, Missouri next year. So that's all you need to know about the Ole Miss rule. We don't want to dig up this old argument again, Patrick, <laughs> but is there ever going to be a time, is there ever going to be a time that these two schools – up in North Mississippi. And you're right. Give some credit to Mississippi State. Give credit yeah. to them. Is there ever going to be a time that the people at Ole Miss say, you know, it just makes a hell of a lot more sense to play Southern Miss than it does Mercer? Well, I mean, I, I, Ole Miss is in a state of transition right now with Ross Bjork moving on. So it just really depends on who the, what the new AD thinks and what kind of agreement he can come to with the Matt Luke. You know, who's from Gulfport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's all about administration. They're at towards it. Mississippi State's obviously more open to it. Uh, State's been more willing to play, you know, Conference USA schools and Sunbelt schools. They're willing to kind of make that trip because I think their fans like it. You know, they can right. go to Hattiesburg right. or Mobile or Birmingham and and, it's, and they almost feel like it's somewhat of a home game for them. It's not so much in Hattiesburg right. uh, compared to those other locations, but I think State kind of likes that model of occasionally playing a Southern Miss or a UAB or something. And give credit to Mississippi State. Yeah, but, baseball and football, give them credit. But Patrick yeah. says, based on the administration, but the fan base of Ole Miss will never stand for it. No. And, and the AD has to listen to, the, right. to their fans. You know. All right, Patrick, stay, stay on top of football now. We're, we're counting on you for all the info. And we'll be coming oh, back yeah. your way next week, buddy. Yeah, I plan on being there Saturday for uh, the, the scrimmage and the media day, so I'll be on top of stuff. All right, Patrick. Thank you, buddy. Patrick McGee, everybody. Biloxi Sun Herald. When we come back, our tour of the National Football League continues. We go to the storied NFC East. I wonder who Bob thinks is going to win the NFC East. Not, not who you think, believe me. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. We appreciate Patrick McGee of the Bloxy Sun Herald joining us in that second segment, third segment of the Eagle Hour, brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And just uh, a, a couple notes 
um, for uh, listeners out there with, with Southern Miss. Non-conference opponents coming up next year in 2020, South Alabama, Auburn, and Liberty. 2021, South Alabama, Troy, and Alabama. 2022, Liberty, Miami, and Tulane. And then Eagles will play Mississippi State in Starkville in 2023. And then 2025, Mississippi State comes to Hattiesburg. Bob, Luke, Kelly, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. We continue our NFL uh, preview, and uh, just for Bob Getty, and just to show him what type of reasonable human being I am, here we go, Bob. Oh, yeah. The angels are singing from heaven, Kelly. Listen up. Thank you very much. To let you know how reasonable I am, Bob. I'm a reasonable person. NF. C East. I think the only reason Luke played that is because it probably won't be played a whole lot for the rest of the year. <laughs> All right, let me give you boy, let me give you boys two facts about the NFC East. A, the only division in the NFL that every member has won a Super Bowl. B, the most Super Bowl champions in NFL history from one division come from the NFC East. Did Wait a minute. The, the Patriots are in the AFC East. Cowboys have won five Super Bowls, the Giants four, the Redskins three, and the Eagles one. So there we go. Eagles may be on their way to number two. Yeah, you want to strike that tune up one more time? You feel free anytime you want to. Uh, it's just always music. If it was who dad, I might just play it through the whole segment. But uh, that one was enough for me. Actually, next Tuesday here on the Eagle Hour, Bob Matthews is going to be right. joining us. He is uh, he is at Redskins camp as we speak. Right. He does his uh, radio show there um, out of Richmond, Virginia. He's there and is going to be on this program next Tuesday. All right, let's get to it, boys. Let's start with the New York Giants. They had the they finished last. Last in the conference uh, last year, the Giants were five and eleven. They've brought listen to this guys three dozen free agents onto their roster, ten draft picks, including Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. But here's the reality: they have an aging quarterback, almost thirty nine year old Eli Manning. Odell Beckham is gone. They do have a, a bright young running back in Barkley, the kid out of uh, Penn State. But other than that, the Giants appear to be a huge rebuilding project, Kelly. Anytime you bring in that many free agents, that, that's a way of kind of waving the white flag. All right, we got to find something that works here. So they might be pressed to go 5-11 and 11 this year. I look for them to finish dead last again. So what do you think, uh, uh, Luke? Is Eli Manning, uh, is it time for Eli to go home and spend his money? Um, I mean, to be honest, it, it Eli hasn't been terrible. I mean, to to be honest, he hasn't. He he's been a, you know, average NFL quarterback. And so, uh, here's the thing: you you don't want to get in a situation where you keep just kind of throwing it out there because he's Eli. He's done great. He's won two Super Bowls. But sooner or later, the torch has to be passed, and and I don't. This situation will not be like a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, just because of of Eli's age. I, I could see five or six games in uh, if if Eli gets them off to a to a good start. I don't think they have enough team to do that. But if it's just zero and six, you're going to see what happened last year with Baker Mayfield. Daniel Jones is going to be the guy, and uh, it's going to become his team pretty fast. Last year, the Redskins finished seven and nine. They brought Alex Smith over from Kansas City, and things look good. Guys, they were six and two with Smith at quarterback, and then he suffered a horrendous broken leg. Already announced that he's out for the entire 2019 season as well from that injury. They bring Case Keenum over from uh, Minnesota. 
Uh, Colt McCoy was the longtime backup for the Redskins. He broke his leg in his first game last year after replacing Alex Smith, so the season just went down the tubes. But now it's Case Keenum, uh, Colt McCoy, the Redskins draft Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, a rookie really not expected to play a lot. Uh, They added Montez Sweat, which we think was a very good uh, draft choice from the Mississippi State program to go to that Bama boy defense. They have five guys on their defensive uh, team that started at Alabama. Uh, But uh, big questions about the O-line, receiving core. Uh, quarterback is a big issue, and I think it's fair to say that the coach's job is on the line. Kelly. Actually, Colt McCoy right now, according to Bob Matthews, Colt McCoy is would be the starter if the Correct. if the right. season started right. today. So, right. and uh, Case Keenum, I I thought he came over from the Claiborne. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He was right down the hall from my mother, but, but they yeah. got him out. And he's down a Redskins. Gotcha. So I don't know, guys. I think it's still. You know, I think this is Gruden's last year. Unless something unexpected happens, I just don't think the Redskins have the quarterback, the receivers, the offensive line to do what it's they need. It's always to do. about the quarterback, right? Always, always about the quarterback. Luke, you concur? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at when you refer to a stable, you know, as a stable of backs. I mean, the, the Redskins have a farm. If there's one positive thing about them, you look at their running backs. Darius Geis right. is back. Adrian Peterson's there. Chris Thompson. Bryce Love, who's recovering from a, a, a knee injury from Stanford. They have like four or five backs that could probably be maybe – uh, you know, a number two anywhere else. Right. So they, they've got backs to run the ball, but you just wonder if there's going to be any holes for them to run through. That's right. The Dallas Cowboys were 10 and 6 last year. They actually won the division, but Ezekiel Elliott is holding out. Kind of looks like he may not play. Randall Cobb comes on to the Cowboy organization. Amari Cooper last year from Oakland. He played pretty well. Cowboys are pretty strong defensively. I think they were fourth or fifth in the league last year. But the big question is is the quarterback, Dak Prescott. He's in his third year, and I think the question that still surrounds Dallas is do they have a franchise quarterback, Kelly Sander? I think they do. I like Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. I like what he does on the field, and I like what he does off the field in this day and age of social media. So I know that shouldn't matter, but to me, right. okay. to me, it does. Um, and it is all about the court. He's proven to be durable. You know, doesn't get hurt. They're smart enough to get rid of the ball when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Dallas is just one of those teams, though, that, that they should be better, right. but they just haven't been. Right. You know, and going back to the Redskins, I think the Redskins are going to finish ahead of the Cowboys this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I like you think. Well, I, I don't think they're going to win the division. I think the right. Eagles will win the division, but they're just the, right. the Cowboys are just kind of funky. You, you know? like Dak Prescott, uh, Luke? I like Dak. I've always liked Dak. Even when he played for Mississippi State, I, I feel like he's a leader, and I feel like he takes care of his business. Let's let me tell you something. If if the Redskins finish in front of the Cowboys, Jason Garrett is gone. I mean, he's gone, and and Garrett is is hedging his bets on 30-year-old Kellen Moore. You remember him? He was the lefty quarterback for Boise State. They got a 30-year-old offensive coordinator this year. You don't know what Elliott's going to do. They did sign Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you know, for a bigger deal for the defensive side. Randall Cobb comes in. Jason Garrett's back, but you don't know, you know, whether he's just going to block or be there right. uh, for leadership. I think it's going to be, you know, I think the, the the Cowboys could be anywhere from eight and eight to ten and six. Uh, Amari Cooper, the, the the whole team changed last year when. Amari Cooper came in, and, and you have That's a legit right. number one receiver. Right. So, you know, without Elliott, how, how much can they win? Because everybody just pinned their ears back and, and rush uh, right. Dak. 
Philadelphia finished nine and seven last year. They bring in Deshaun Jackson. He comes back to Philadelphia, He's where he originally played. He's a he's a good wide receiver threat. Jordan Howard, a good running back that they brought in this year. They had the twenty third ranked defense last year and really made not a lot of changes defensively. Carson Wentz, this is his team, but the question around Carson Wentz is, can he stay healthy, Kelly? Well, that's always the big question, isn't it? And that that then can be correlated as to what's your offensive line like you know if, if your line can protect you but i think i think wentz it has the potential on the upside to be the by far the best quarterback in that division right uh, and we talked about how important that is you know if you could take if you could take eli manning and put him on the redskins mm-hmm. you know but unfortunately right. it doesn't doesn't work that way right but i still think the the eagles based on you know a couple of years ago and I think last year was kind of an aberration. I, I think the Eagles are going to win that division. Yeah, I think the Eagles are pretty strong. I, you know, I think, guys, really, in all honesty, it's pretty close between those three teams, Philadelphia, Dallas, Washington. It's going to depend on quarterback play for all three of the teams. Can Prescott carry the team if Elliott's not there? Can Case Keenum step up? Can Colt McCoy step up and play well for Washington? Can Carson Wentz stay healthy? I'm going to say Philly, Dallas a close second, Washington third, New York fourth, Kelly. I like the Eagles first, the Redskins second, Cowboys third, close, and then uh, yeah, the, the Giants rebuild. Luke? Cowboys will finish second simply because there's better quarterback play and uh, I think a little little better defense. Philly's by far the deepest team, not only in uh, the division, they're one of the deepest teams in the NFC. So many things they can do on offense. But Carson Wentz has to stay healthy because guess what? Nick Foles is in Jacksonville. Gone, right. and Nick Foles can't Nick Foles can't bail you out and take you to the Super Bowl when you're starting. Right. No, hurt. that's exactly correct. Well, the world is anxiously awaiting not this Thursday, but next Thursday, Kelly. Oh. Because the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington Redskins lock horns the second week of the preseason. The futility bowl, as they're, as they're <laughs> the calling it. The pillow fight of the week. Yeah, and of course, it's an exhibition game, so everybody says it really doesn't mean anything. I said, boy, you got that right. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. All right, we'll be back after this. Gulfport Home Center in Gulfport brings you the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every day. Check them out online, gulfporthomecenter.ms, or go see them on Highway 49 in Gulfport, Mississippi. Gulfport Home Center, more room for you. 
more room for your family. 11 NFL uh, preseason games tonight. Uh, Bob's Redskins are at Cleveland at 6.30. My Saints play tomorrow night at 7 uh, at home against the Vikings. And then Kelly's Bengals with the uh, probably the uh, most challenging preseason game at Kansas City, 7 p.m. Mm. on Saturday. And, you know, there's a way you can watch all, what is it, like 65 preseason games or 100 preseason games. Anybody want to do that or just bring yeah. on week one? How do you do that? Let me guess, Stitcher, SoundCloud, what, what? Well, you can <laughs> How is that, Luke? How do, you, how do you find preseason games live? They're on uh, the NFL Network, and you know, occasionally they'll do one on, on NBC. But the, I saw something the other day on cable. You, there's a way to watch every, you know, almost every single one of them. So, um, Who's the nationally NFL televised game tonight? You have any idea? Uh, NFL Network is Jets and Giants, and also Chargers and Cardinals. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. So the East Coast and the West right. Coast, and once again we get left out in the middle. Right, right. There we go. Couple of a uh, couple of news stories. Uh, second international signee for Jay Ladner. I'm not going to try to pronounce uh, this young man's name, but he is from Estonia, which is a little little further down the road than Wiggins. Six foot six, Arter. Konasuk. And so what is great about him, guys, he's six foot six, and Coach Ladner is really looking at him to play the three or the four, which we were lacking at last year. And so you're looking at a guy, uh, he can shoot the ball well from the outside, and we were desperately needing some uh, you know, some height on the perimeter in the three slot. So uh, he joins uh, a, a kid out of England, so excited to see that guy come in. Soccer gets three transfers. Alice Campos uh, comes over from Northwestern Oklahoma State. Macy Pennington comes from Caldwell University. And Jackie Mantias comes as a graduate transfer from FIU. So Coach Mo gets three players to uh, help Lady Eagle uh, soccer, who starting uh, tomorrow, guys, uh, athletic season begins tomorrow. Mm. And then this was interesting on southernmiss.com. Four athletes featured. You can check out this article. It was posted uh, late yesterday. Four um, student athletes, including uh, everyone, one of everyone's favorite relief pitchers on baseball, Sean Tweedy. Takes him 15 years to get warmed up in the bullpen, but he was very effective when he came out. He he was a uh, and had a summer internship as a bank teller this summer. It's pretty cool to you know see these kids, and it just reminds us that you know they will not be playing sports forever, and to see them tell about their experiences in the community and and working out in the in the real you world. Know, that's actually he waited on Check me at out. community bank through the drive through. But I left because he he you know he kind of warmed up counting the money for fifteen twenty minutes. I got tired of it. taking too much time. <laughs> huh? I pulled off. Yeah, and and they are yeah. student athletes. I mean, they have to work. You know, a lot right. of these athletes say, "Well, I, I'm an athlete. I don't have time to have a job." Right. Well, wrong. Right. You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So good for them. Good you know, for them. The yeah. sooner they learn that work ethic, you know, outside Did, uh, the classroom too. Did you see uh, Coach Oz like walk in there and signal to the bullpen when Tweedy was taking too long well, for you? He signaled when it was time to actually put the money in the deal for it to come out to the car. I saw him give the right hand, and that's when Tweedy dropped it in the bucket and it came on out to the car. Yeah, when I, I was just pulling right. off as that happened. When Ostrander's calling the bullpen in the third inning when his starter's throwing a no hitter, uh-huh. that tells you he takes a long time to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for those kids, man. I, you know, you like seeing them. My, my my wife, a couple of years ago, met one of the kids from the volleyball team that was working uh, that summer in the hospital. Forget the child's name. She was a big front player for the volleyball team. 
came home telling me it was one of the most delightful kids she had ever met in her life. So, uh, and we had one of those yesterday on the show, Kelly. Just another, just another tremendous, tremendous kid that, that was a former athlete here. So it makes you feel good when you hear that. Getting back into the into the swing of things now. I mean, the the students uh, coming back into Hattiesburg. You know, getting the apartments loaded into their apartments into their dormitories. It's a uh, it's always exciting, you know, this time of year. Fresh start. Did a man right. just walk by the studio with a spit cup in the back of his pants? Did you notice a that? Bottle. It was a, a spit bottle. bottle in the back of his pants. Well, at least he's tidy. You know, wants yeah. to. I mean, that must have been Lee Applewhite. Who else could that be? <laughs> the one and only. It must be. So wrong. Turn. Hey, turn around. Hey, turn around. <laughs> there it is. You see it. <laughs> Yeah, was I right? He's just he's just trying to be tidy. Nothing, was I right? Nothing yeah. wrong with he that. Was, he was trying to be tidy. So he's probably headed back to the facility. All right, listen, uh, Esquire. Where can they hear this show? Not that anyone would want to listen to this today, but uh, it, it, should they choose to do so, where could they go? Well, you can listen to us here on our Super Talk network of stations, or after hours, check us out on supertalk.fm via SoundCloud. You can also listen to us on Spotify, on Stitcher. On the Google Play Music app or on the iTunes podcast app, I know that's uh, that's Luke's preferred yeah. platform, right there. Which of those hey, platforms hey, do you prefer, Kelly? I, I would. I wish you would just speak in English. <laughs> yes, sir, Luke. Bob, you, you you know what the definition of an esquire is, don't you? No, oh, oh, I remember no. that. It's a young nobleman who, in training for knighthood, acted as an attendant to a knight. So your attempt mm. to you know. Call Dalton a, a young person. He's basically a knight in training. He's a knight in training, Which makes yeah. even more yeah. reason why he needs to go ahead and buy the Firebird from you. I mean, we just Correct. need to go ahead and I make would that think happen. So. so if that's Dalton. That means if that's Dalton J. Stanford Esquire, you would be Sir Bob Getty. That's exactly Oh, there we hey, go. You remember that, too. Would you please? That's going to be in his contract right. now, isn't it? That's enough of this. We'll be back tomorrow <laughs> at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.